0: What ways have you found, what are some of the principles that you have used to guide you through budgeting for your money? We are really talking about a budget. You're going to see that as a very main outstanding concept of budgeting. But what, what are some of the helpful principles that you have found or tools that you have found, things to remember as you think about budgeting for money? The reason I have Amanda here talking to us about budgeting is I have friends um, who are from America, and uh, I've noticed something about them. They are good with their money, and it, it looks like a culture, a cultural thing, really. Um, but I also know that uh, when you look at the statistics, there's Americans who have not been very wise in the way they've spent their money. Uh, I mean, most of them are in debt. A lot of them are in debt. In fact, I think the whole nation is in debt. That's not true. But a lot of them are in debt. You see them with school debt, I think because of the way their system works. School is extremely expensive, but also they have some very good habits. Amanda, please, what are some of the helpful things that maybe culture has helped you with? I'll share some of the non-helpful things that I witnessed back when I was growing up. Uh, but go ahead and share with us, Amanda. Just give, give us an American perspective to budgeting and uh, and uh, just looking after your money.
1: You know, it's a it's a very good point about the seasons. Definitely having ingrained saving into the culture of America um, overall. Uh, definitely because you, you there's only one growing season, so you can only you can only count on one time to get food from your farm. So, um, yeah, I think that definitely is a key aspect that would have, you know, started it all. Um, from my upbringing, it's taught from young, um, especially in the Christian group of people. They um, teach, you know, putting when you get money, puts. 10% in for giving and then <laughs> um, put some in for saving and some in for, for spending on what you would like. Um, and and every step, I mean, you, you go to, let's say, P7, and you start P7, you start hearing about senior school. You start hearing all about what to expect, and then what what you why you need to do well in that so that you can start saving for your college and all of that so it's ingrained in even our education system in high school we even have a class on budgeting and how to deal with your um deposit and out and what is it called and withdraws and all of that you you even do a checkbook in class so there's it's in the teaching. There's a lot of resources out there to help people. But on the other side of things, I think there's also the, I want what I want when I want it. <laughs> and especially, unfortunately, to, to people in university, people get into a lot of debt, not only just with loans, but there's this mentality that university is freedom now, so I can go and do what I want. I can spend what I want. So people get credit cards. And so it's, it's beyond, I mean, it's a hard issue because it, it it allows me to just do whatever I want when I want it. I mean, it's, it's definitely the generation right now. Um, so it's also in the system of, you're, you. it's almost assumed that you have to get loans in order to go to university, you have to get a mortgage to pay for your first house, you have to get, and there are steps that once you reach university, now next you have to get a car, now next you have to, so there are, I guess you would say systems or expectations in place that people feel It's just natural. I mean, when you find someone who goes against the grain and maybe decides I'm not gonna get loans, I'm gonna work. I mean, I had a friend that he took years to finish college, university, because he he would work one term and then be able to pay for the next term. And then he would work the next term and then be able to pay for the next term. So, I mean, it's really, there's both sides of the coins in America, as there is here, I'm sure.
0: So it looks like you guys are okay until uh, the, the people begin to expect certain standards of you, and then you want to yeah. meet those standards. And it feels like, like you said, it's, it feels like it's the same trend uh, even here. Uh, you must have an iPhone. Your phone has to have a selfie camera or else you're missing out so much on mm-hmm. Facebook, and so you'll do everything in your power to get what you want and want it now. And so guess what? You don't earn that much, but you want to pretend that you earn that much. Uh, Allow me to invite Mr. Ronald uh, Mucasa to just share with us what he has
2: prepared for us. So hi, everyone. Thanks, uh, David, for the opportunity to share today. I'm very honored to be part of uh, Cabin Devos today. I've known David for a while and I was honored when he invited me to come and share with you for a few minutes on this subject of uh, uh, where uh, has my money gone? I think it's a question we all ask, ask ourselves and I think whenever we talk about money I usually say it's one of those taboo topics. It's a topic especially for us within the Ugandan society or actually possibly the African society. It's a topic which is not discussed as much, but it's also a topic which uh, we, we often think people should figure out on their own. Uh, simple subjects like budgeting, simple subjects like, um, like uh, just making sure that you are keeping tabs with where your money is. That is something which seems simple. However, often we are not doing enough. So I, I, I'm going to speak for a few minutes on this subject. I'm going to use a specific Bible story, which is the story of Joseph, and I think it's a story we all know. And I am going to use that story to uh, to kind of explain this concept of where has my money uh, gone. So I, I'll start with, uh, with, um, with, uh, with 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 uh, with a scripture, Proverbs twenty-one five. The plans of a diligent of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. It appears that in the absence of a plan it is inevitable that you are planning for poverty. So if you're not planning for your personal money in essence what you are doing is that you are planning to have a poverty agenda. Now, when you think about personal finances, when you think about the question of where has money gone, in the absence of a solid plan of where your money is going to come from and where it's going to go, you are in essence saying that I will. Um, I, I, I'm heading and I'm going. I'm on a path uh, to poverty. And here, the Bible tells us haste leads to poverty. It appears that. People make financial decisions so quickly. It's fascinating how a call from your, uh, a distress call from a sister telling you how she has really had the worst day in her life and you are the only solution and you should send her 100000 on mobile money. It's amazing how quickly you make that decision and you send that 100000 The 100,000 was part of your rent, but you have quickly sent it on mobile money and the money has disappeared. So haste leads to poverty. So we need to make sure that, first of all, we are not hasty in making decisions of our personal finances. Because if you are, you are on a journey to poverty. Now, I will uh, push this and quickly just make a couple of... um, uh, just try to take you through the the, the, the story of uh, of David, rather the story of Joseph. It's a story which we all know. It's a it's a, it's, it's it's a popular uh, it's a popular uh, Bible story. But what we want to see is Joseph in Egypt, and uh, Joseph in Egypt. We see him uh, going through a tough life, going into Potiphar's house, interpreting some dreams in the. In the, in the prison, and we see him answering uh, a time of plenty and a time of scarcity, a time of plenty and a time of scarcity. That's what he told Pharaoh. When he told Pharaoh this, and that this was the interpretation of, his, of the dream, he said that there'll be seven years, there'll be seven years of plenty and seven years of scarcity. And when you think about your personal finance, when you think about where your money is, the first question I want to ask you, are you in a time of plenty or are you in a time of scarcity? Answering that question is important because the way you behave with money is different depending on the season in which you are. In time of plenty, money is abundant. And there are so many things you can be able to do. However, in times of scarcity, even investment is difficult. That means that you you find that all the money which comes has been already dedicated to something which you need to do. Now, I want you to first ask the answer the question, which period are you in? Are you in a time of plenty or a time of scarcity? If you are currently in a time of plenty, there is a way you are supposed to behave with your money. There are places where your money is supposed to go when you are in a time of plenty. However, if you are in a time of scarcity, there is equally, there is a way you will behave with money. However, that way you behave with money during the time of plenty will determine how you behave with money during the time of scarcity. So when you think about where your money has gone, I want you to start from the point of view of, am I in a time of plenty, am I in a time of scarcity? In a time of plenty, as was in Egypt, there are three cardinal sins you can commit during a time of plenty. If you currently have a job in Uganda, for example, and that job pays you on time. My friend, after COVID times, you are in a time of plenty. Because many don't even have a job. So if you are in a time of plenty, there are three cardinal sins you can make. First cardinal sin you can make is you are not aware that you are in a time of plenty. The way you behave with money, if you don't know that you are in a time of plenty, you are going to be wasteful. So if you don't know that you are in a time of plenty, that's cardinal sin number one. Cardinal sin number two, if you become wasteful, if you bask in abundance, and whatever money comes to you, you spend without any awareness during your time of plenty, you are in trouble. The third one is doing nothing during the time of plenty. If all the money which is coming to you, and I want to make this very clear, if Honestly, during this period, you still have your job. You are still, still earning an income. You are in your time of plenty because there are people who are actually in a time of scarcity. So you have to know the season in which you are. When you are in a time of plenty, you need to make sure that you are not wasteful. Good rains and fertile soils are useless if you do not plant. Good rains and fertile soils are useless if you do not plant. If the money you earn today, if it is going only on expenditure during this prime time of your life, and you're only spending and you're only making sure you're paying your rent, you're only making sure that you are fine, getting the clothes you need and meeting all your needs, if that's the only thing which is happening during this time, when you're one of the few people who actually have a stable income, then you will have missed out on the opportunity of the time of plenty. I'm going to make one point here about the time of plenty. And I'm going to use the example of Joseph. Joseph, during the time of plenty of Egypt, he did one thing. He set out a plan, made a very clear plan, to that, to to uh, to Pharaoh, and said, "We will collect twenty percent. I think that was the number. We'll collect twenty percent, a fifth, of all that has been uh, produced on the land, and we'll put it away for investment." So, friends, the first question I will ask you is: There money which is going into investment? Is there money which you can honestly say you are investing? If that money does not exist and you are in your time of plenty, you are preparing for trouble. So is there money which you are giving for investment? And I will give you one way you can quickly test if you can be able to put aside money to save money for investment. That, Quickest way to test that you can save money for investment is whether you are finding the payment of your tithe. If you are paying your tithe consistently without difficulty, I believe that that is the training ground of saying that you can save money for investment. We all know and the Bible has spoken clearly on the on, on why, as Christians, tithe is important. But I would just want to stretch that a bit and say that when you look at someone who is a consistent tither, they also find themselves being, finding it simple for them to be able to save and invest. So I'll ask again, is a part of the money you earn, is it going to tithe and offer it? Is that happening? If it's not, investment is even going to be more difficult. So I believe that one of the things which is of absolute importance is to... We that a part of the money at that point. And I want to make the case here because i just uh, spend a few minutes uh, on, on, on the discussion here. If you are currently earning money, and if you look at the vehicles where your money is going, especially during your time of plenty, if one of the vehicles uh, where your money go- is going is not invest- saving an investment, it means that you are going to have difficulty during the time of scarcity. So I, I think that depending on the season which you are in, the way you behave with money will be different. And the way you can secure yourself during periods of scarcity is if during periods of plenty, you actually allocate your money in a certain way. So many of us will find that you at the end of the month, you find that there is no money which has been, kept, which has been channeled in some of these vehicles. There is no saving for investment. If that's not happening, you are making a big mistake. And I'll use the analogy still over. Uh, I'll use the Bible story of Joseph. We know that Joseph built stores and he kept away a fifth. Say those stores filled so much, the Bible tells us filled so much that they could almost not contain the bumper harvest. Now, my point here is that if, the money when you ask the question where is my money is where is my money going if your money is not going in saving an investment at least part of it you are preparing yourself bracing yourself for trouble the same is true and the point here which i've made is also the 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 question of tithe. if you're not tithing and if your offerings are not coming through I think you are not preparing yourself. I feel like part of the things uh, which, we, which we were given is if you can be able to be a, a cheerful giver, if you can be able to be a cheerful tither, chances are that you will find the concept of saving and investing simpler. So first point I wanted to make, especially during a time of plenty, is that you need to ensure that you are putting aside some money for saving and investing. That's one of the places your money is supposed to go. Now, I'll quickly turn to the period of scarcity. When you think about the period of scarcity, we need, and, and, and what the Bible tells us is that there were seven years of plenty, Joseph was governing And during this time when Joseph was governing, he collected. And as he collected, he found that the stores were so full. But after seven years, there was a drought like no other in Egypt. Now we see something fascinating happening. When the drought happened in Egypt, we see Joseph's brothers moving from their land to look for food in Egypt. Now I'll ask you a question here and I, w- I-, I hope we can put uh, some su- uh, some responses in the comments how many of us uh, believe that there was drought in all of the world but there was no period of plenty in all the world all of the world because we don't know what joseph's brothers did the bible is not doesn't tell us that the seven years of plenty, that there was plenty in in, in the land of Joseph's brothers. However, we see that during the seven years of scarcity, we see clearly that those seven years, the brothers of Joseph walked to uh, Egypt to find food. Now, if the seven years of plenty also happened in the land of Joseph's brothers, what did Joseph's brothers and their father do with the seven years of plenty? Because if they had done the same thing Joseph did in Egypt, they wouldn't have walked Egypt. Now, I would argue that the seven years of plenty also happened in Joseph's land. However, they did not put aside any stores. If they didn't put aside any stores, It meant that during the seven years of scarcity, they felt a pain like no other. In this country and all over the world, we have just gone through the most difficult times. These last nine months have been years which have been filled with lots and lots of pain. This COVID period, mostly economically, definitely the health crisis has has been a very big one but almost everyone has felt the economic pinch. And we are saying that if you don't do the right things during the seven years of plenty, there are things which happen to you during the seven years of scarcity. And I would like to add you that the Bible tells us clearly that during the seven years of scarcity, Joseph's brothers came and knelt down in front of him we see that the Egyptians came and knelt down in front of Pharaoh begging for food. The Bible tells us that the Egyptians sold their, gave all their money. They sold their cattle. They sold their land. And finally, they offered themselves to Pharaoh as slaves in exchange for food. I think for me this is a clear sign that where your money goes during the time of plenty will determine how you live during the time of scarcity. I think we all need to remember that if we are living during the prime time of our lives, we should be preparing for a time which will be more difficult. This year has been one which has opened our eyes to the fact that they can be unusual circumstances and if we are not well prepared we will not be able to sustain ourselves during the time of scarcity so the case which i wanted to make is that many times there are competing forces for all the money you are making and one of the strongest forces you will have to face is this force called expenditure this force called consumption there are so many things which are competing for all the money you are making especially during your time of plenty. and i think that's what happened to joseph's brothers possibly they kept wastefully spending everything they had wastefully using all the food they had or not planting as much as they should have because it was a time of plenty so friends one of the points which I want to drive home here is that there are two forces which are going to compete for your money. There will be a force which is consumption and a force which is saving and investment. Usually the saving and investment is going to disappear at due to the strong power of consumption. But I've come to encourage each and every one of you that it if you think about the money you are currently earning especially during this time when you still have an income during this time when you're still young and strong and able to work you need to make sure that you are dedicating a bit of that money to saving an investment because that saving and investment will be the foundation on which you can be able to build, especially during the period of scarcity. The Bible tells us that during the period of scarcity, Pharaoh became the richest man. That they people walked from all over the world and they brought so much money that Pharaoh became so, so rich. However, even in as much as Pharaoh became rich, the majority of people who did not plan during the time of plenty ended up in abject poverty. So I will make one simple point that irrespective of the period you are in, I would like to add you that many of us, if you still have an income, if you still have a job you are holding on to, you are living in a time of plenty, dedicate a bit of the money which you earn to make sure that it is going into spaces where you can be able not to just plan for today not to just deal with today's food and you can be not just deal with today's food but you are able to plan for your future i will close with a recommendation i like i i, I encourage all of you to google the jewish five jars this is the financial literacy class jews give to their children that when you earn money You put money in these five jars. 10% to your God through tithe. 20% saving for investment. 10% saving for emergencies. 10% giving for you to be generous. Plan to be generous. And 50% you spend. I'll talk about generosity. Generosity. Generosity is one of the gifts which we have as Christians. It is more blessed to give than to receive. However, you have to make sure your generosity is planned. You can't have unplanned generosity. Generosity which just occurs to you. You need to say, I have budgeted to be generous to this extent. This is what the Jews say, the Jewish five just say that your generosity plan for it, possibly 10%, and you'll find that you can be able to find financial um, independence, you can be able to find financial stability. So I'll stop there for now and possibly hand over the discussion to David. I have touched on a couple of things, but I believe that when you think about where your money is going, I believe there are two competing forces. Either it is consumed or it is saved and invested for the future. Usually, consumption wins the day and we don't have much kept for us to be able to plan for our future. David, over to you.
0: If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to, bed you, got
1: to, bed, you go to bed,
0: you can as well grow in your faith. Captain Devo, your
1: number one live podcast.
0: Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.